0: God is doing something, he is up to something good, and I love it when you can sense God moving in our our service, even during uh, our first opening part of worship. And this is a part of worship as well, as we open the word of God uh, today. And so we are excited to be in our part three of our series called Path to Freedom. However, first, I would like to uh, remind you, it may have already been said already, but uh, we have our fall startup coming. Is it okay to say fall now? Come on, it's almost the last weekend of August, so I'm gonna say it. We have our fall startup, and it's happening September the 10th, and I'm excited because this is my first fall startup at Calvary. And I've heard some of the exciting things you do, uh, and because, because I uh, have some inside scoop, shall we say, uh, I'm, I'm excited to say there's something to do with pie So I thought I'd do a little open survey today on pie preferences if that's okay with you and it's not for the sake the pies have been ordered so too bad if you don't like what we're getting but here's here's a little a little hint into it but how many people your favorite pie is apple pie come on I got to see I'm like looking for like it's apple pie My grandfather used to say apple pie without cheese is like a kiss without the squeeze. Have you heard that one before? The staff laugh at all my sayings. (laughs) I just think I'm ridiculous. Okay, how many people love pumpkin pie? Okay, again, apple pie, pumpkin pie. Apple pie, (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, How many people say no pie? Okay, a few, there's always a few who are like cake over pie, right? Like there's just those, but... I heard that there's cookies too. So you're all good. We're gonna cover all of our bases. And uh, we have some other special things planned for you that are surprise and I'll let Pastor Kathleen fill you in on those when she gets back from holidays. But uh, we are super excited about fall startup. We're excited in our house too, because that will mean by that time we will actually be settled, praise the Lord Jesus. We are so grateful to be moving here because although if you're new, I'm the new pastor for the last couple of months, but we haven't yet relocate it permanently. So if you could just be praying for the Mercer household because this week, midweek, we actually move out of our house in Niagara-on-the-Lake and everything goes onto a truck. And then in September, early September everything comes off of that truck into our new house. And so it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks. I'll be away next week, as, uh, next weekend, because of that and a few other things uh, that are on our plate, which I'll explain later. But we are, um, we are really grateful for all your support and your prayers. But we would ask that you would keep us in prayer um, as you do the rest of the church family but we feel your prayers when you're praying for us. So thank you for praying for our family this week as we get ready to say goodbye and uh, to some of our friends and family, uh, friends who have become family in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And so uh, thank you for praying. Well, we're on this journey together, path to freedom, and we've been talking about how freedom is both an event and a journey. And we thought we'd take it from the book of Exodus and from the story of Moses leading the Israelites, the Hebrews, out of Egypt and towards the promised land. You know, freedom is an event in the sense of when we talk about our freedom in Christ, we're saying we receive freedom from sin, freedom from uh, from death, we have eternal life because of Jesus giving us freedom. It's this justification. By faith, with our faith in Christ, then we are justified and we are no longer, like we sang, a slave to sin. But it's also a journey. There's this thing called sanctification. It's a big word, too, but it's talking about this process of becoming more like Jesus, growing in our faith. And so, freedom in Christ can also be a journey that we are on. You see, freedom in Christ is not the right to do whatever we want, which can be a mistake that we've come uh, kind of too far on on this scale of freedom. But freedom in Christ is not the right to do whatever you want and then say, oh, grace will cover it. But rather the ability to do God's will, this ability, not in your own strength, but by the faith in God and by the Holy Spirit to be able to do the will of God and what God's will is for your life. Galatians 5.13 says this, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, that would be the earthly desires, but rather serve one another humbly in love. I don't know about you, but those who seem the most free in Christ are those who seem to be able to serve one another humbly in love. They serve our community, those who are who are uh, struggling in our community to just make ends meet. They serve those who are who are in other countries or have come and made this country their home. They're those who serve on a Sunday morning to welcome you as you come in through the doors. They're those who serve their family in humility and in love. And so today we're talking a little bit about the anticipation of freedom. The anticipation of freedom I mentioned that we have a lot going on in the next few weeks. And one of those things, anticipation, that we're anticipating is our old, let's see how I gulped already. Our oldest daughter is going to college this fall. How many people have children going to college or university this September? I'm just wanna say, yeah, wonderful. We're all together. Should we have coffee together after they all leave? And I don't know, some of you will be excited and others will be crying like me. But this is a big moment in our family's life, this anticipation of freedom. I've got this picture that I think is, is kind of a, you know how you can get really good cheesy pictures? But this is a, a beautiful picture, but also a little cheesy picture of the kid ready to go to college. The parents have everything in the car for them and the siblings there and everyone's smiling, happy. But inside, I I feel like I, I relate to this mom in this picture. All that she's picturing is when she held that baby's little finger in her hand. I'm not gonna cry, don't worry, I'm not gonna cry. But there's this anticipation of freedom. And in the anticipation of freedom, I think the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us today to not forget the look of love in his eyes how much he wants you to have freedom. And it's not this freedom that is supposed to bring you, again, enslaved or the sense of feeling uh, not able to have any choice. But instead, it's a freedom that to be able to love and know that you are loved fully by the Lord. And his love, it motivates us, doesn't it? To do what we ought to do and not necessarily what we want to do. So today we're asking, what's important to remember about the path of victory? The path to victory, what's important? And I kept kind of wrestling with it, how to, how to put this in, in a way that would be able to be received well from the congregation, but really we're talking about our role and God's role in this process. And so let's go to the text, Exodus chapter 12. We're talking about, uh, this is what's happened. We, last week we went through the 10, um, the 10, uh, Plagues that happened in Egypt. And we actually got through them on time and it was pretty good. We got through all of them. But the last one was the plague uh, that happened when the firstborn child was going to die in every household as uh, the, the angel of death would go past. But the Lord gave an opportunity for his people to be saved. And so Exodus 12, we'll start in verse 21 where Moses has received the instructions and he summons the people. He says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. Now the reason he said this was because of the fact that God had given so many warnings, warnings after warnings to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians saying, you must let my people go. This is God's plan for them, let them go. And so Pharaoh kept hardening his heart and then God hardened Pharaoh's heart more because he was beyond the point of no return. He did not see God's will for for God's people. And so God gave an opportunity one more opportunity for Pharaoh to let the people go. And when he did, Pharaoh said, no. And so God said, this is what's gonna happen. All the firstborns of every household, all the firstborns of every livestock will be killed because you're unwilling to obey God. And so God gives these instructions to Moses. Let's go to verse 24. It says, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony, the Passover. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. You know, when I was just, uh, I was only 10 years old, the very first time I went to England. And I'll tell you more of that story another day. But, uh, but when I came back from England, I, had my, I didn't go with my parents. I went with a trusted family friend. And, and it was a really, a really big moment in my life. And I came back with all of these pictures from my trip to England. Just beautiful pictures. But in those days, back in the day, they didn't have, uh, you weren't looking at your pictures after you took them. Someone could explain that to your teenager, saying next to you, I don't understand. But you took them on a roll of film, and that roll would then go to the store and, or to, the, to blacks, like photography, and then you would get it developed, and then you'd get all these pictures that would come in the mail, or you'd pick them up or whatever it looked like. And, uh, and so when my pictures came back, there was pictures after pictures of sheep. Now, this is not a picture of the, the, the sheep I'm talking about, but there were pictures and pictures of lambs because everywhere in the countryside in England as we traveled, we kept seeing beautiful, beautiful sheep everywhere. And as a 10-year-old, that was pretty exciting. A 10-year-old who grew up in Barrie, Ontario, in the city, I was like, there's sheep everywhere. And I took pictures after pictures of sheep. There's something just beautiful and precious about sheep. And in... This part of the story, we see God setting this picture, this symbolism for the people of Israel to remind them of his bigger plan, but also of some really important pieces. Now, it's usually at Easter that we would talk about all this, and, and, I, and I'm not apologizing because I really believe this is timely for the, the life of our church. But I wanna remind us of this one thing, it's that there is a necessary sacrifice that happens for freedom. A necessary sacrifice. God instructed Moses and said, take a lamb. It wasn't just any lamb, it had to be a newborn lamb, a, a brand new lamb that was spotless, without blemish, nothing of a disformity on this lamb. When they took the lamb, they would take it into their household for this Passover. This was the very first Passover, remember? And so they took it into their household for four days. I read a commentary that made me think about something that I never thought about before. It was the attachment to the lamb in the four days. Four days of a cutest little lamb in your household that was to stay with you as you prepared for the feast. God is not the Lamb of God who is detached from us, distant from us. He wants to be near us. The way to understand and grasp the significance of the sacrificial lamb is to actually sense the presence of the Lamb near you. Some of you are here today for the first time and the reason you're here today is because the Lamb of God has come near to you and he wants to remind you of the significance of his sacrifice. There is no greater sacrifice to cover our imperfections like the death of the Lamb of God. And so that's why we must, our part is to choose the Lamb. Isaiah chapter 53 has this prophecy. The prophecy is still believed by the the Jewish faith. Isaiah 53, six to seven says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And there's this beautiful beautiful imagery that is pulled through the the Jewish faith of this idea of a lamb and the importance of a sacrificial lamb. And we understand it as Christians that this this prophecy, this understanding of the necessity of a lamb actually was fulfilled when John said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His shed blood gave us victory from the slavery of sin and death and this imagery begins right here Exodus 12 we fast forward to chapter, to verse 31 and it, it, it happens, this horrible moment, this shrieking in the, the cities and the towns of Egypt where people are waking up to their firstborn being dead. There's firstborn children, firstborn livestock. This is a horrific moment. God has shown his sovereignty, his supremacy over all the gods of Egypt, and he is showing that he will indeed deliver his people. And verse 31 says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said, we will all die. And so the people took their dough before the yeast was at it, and they carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. And the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them whatever they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Verse 37 says, The Israelites journeyed from Ramess to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, and many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. And with the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. And because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to be kept or to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. And finally, God said, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on the gods. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This is the thing. We must choose the lamb because a sacrifice was needed. But secondly, there is a sense of urgency. So we must be ready to respond. If there was one thing that I, before as I first sat down to put together this message, the one thing that I wanted to give a sense of was a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. Now remember, when we're speaking in the church, we're speaking not only to individuals about what God is saying, but also together as a church. And I sense that there's a need as a church to be ready to respond to what God has for us in the area of freedom. Exodus 12, verse 11, it said this, this is how you are to eat when they were taking the Passover together. Remember, they had this lamb in their house, then they would, they would slaughter the lamb, and they would roast it, and they were supposed to have a lamb that would feed uh, feed only the, would feed everyone in their household uh, and one lamb for per household, but you would have to eat the entire lamb. So perhaps your, the extended family, there would be this idea that they would count how many people and get the right amount of food. It's kind of like when you're ordering pies to make sure you have the right number. Stephanie was like counting it out, how many slices, how many people do we expect? Make sure you have enough. And no, it's, it's like no pies are to be left after the party. But in this situation, the lamb, this beautiful, precious lamb was roasted and it was not to be broken. The legs, even as it was being eaten, were not to be torn apart. And instead, all the symbolism that will come up later in our, in Easter messages, but they would eat of this Passover lamb. And not only would they eat of the lamb, but they would also eat these bitter herbs that would remind them of the bitterness that they had been in slavery. Remind them how deep and and difficult this, this bondage that they were in, the slavery was. And then they would also, were to prepare this unleavened bread, bread without yeast. And they were to do this every time they were having the Passover from that point forward. And when Exodus 12 verse 11 explains to us, this is how you are to eat it, this Passover, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You know, the night before you go on family vacation, some of you are laughing because it was probably disastrous this year as well, but the night before you go on family vacation, you really, you prepare a lot, don't you? And the ideal situation, and we try to do this, particularly if we're going on a longer vacation, um, but we, we want to have everything at the door the night before. If we're leaving first thing in the morning, every suitcase, every pillow, whatever that looks like for whatever, wherever you're going, everything at the front door. Why do you get ready in such urgency? One is so you don't get distracted and forget something the next morning. Two, so you can move out the door at a moment's notice, if need be. And three, so you don't recreate a movie scene from Home Alone. Remember that one where they're like running through the airport? (laughs) It's about preparedness. But it's also a little bit about fear, isn't it? A healthy fear. It's not a fear of missing out, that's that FOMO that your kids are talking about, this fear of missing out, but it's a reverent fear that this is so important that we can't miss out by being unprepared. We can't miss out on obedience to God's voice in our scenario. When we know that God is preparing us for freedom in Christ, for a greater level of freedom as a church, then we must be prepared internally. We don't wanna miss out on being obedient to God's voice. As you will know, uh, I'm not really great with pronouncing words, (laughs) but here's a new one. Hippozone, that wasn't too hard. Hippozone, it's this word that's in haste, that's talked about in Exodus. It means hurriedly, in haste, in trepidation, a hurried flight. You see, they were supposed to have their cloak tucked into their belt while they ate the Passover, their sandals on their feet and their staff in their hand while they ate the Passover as the sense that there was something urgent about to happen, that they were going to be moved forward. It's kind of the old uh, King James Version says, your loins girded. It sounds so like, oh, wow, loins girded, cloth tucked into your belt so you could travel. Because you see, they would have these long uh, coats, these long uh, clothing, and they would tuck it into their belt so that they wouldn't trip on it as they were running or going from one place to the next. They would have their shoes on it's like your sneakers tied before you go out the door. And they would have their staff in their hand. I would, without being sacrilegious, your charger, your phone charge fully before you leave the house. Be ready. And when we're ready to move, God is ready to show up with power. I believe it with all my heart whether your posture at your bedside shows your readiness for God's will for your life, whether it's the whispers between you and God over worship music in the car on your daily commute, whether it's your Bible college application sent and accepted, whether it's your bags are packed for that missions trip, whether it's the check is written for that special tithe and offering, those actions that we take to show that we are ready to move at God's notice, ready to act upon God's notice. Even the bread they ate would represent their desire not to waste time waiting for that bread to rise. We must be ready. Holy Spirit says to us today, as individuals and as a church collectively, be ready. God's provision is already here for you. God's provision for that next level of freedom that you you were praying for, that significant season you acknowledge that we're in as a church, that significant season you are in as a person on a journey of faith. God says be ready, because his provision is already here. You know, today's bread is tomorrow's reminder of his faithfulness, and that is what God was putting in place even then, that this unleavened bread would be a symbol later on in their festival of unleavened bread, that they would be able to remember that they left in haste because God had made a way. There's a story that came up in my uh, memory again, Actu- my actual memory, not my Facebook memory. And it came up during our time as we were trying to find a house here in Peterborough. It was remember, it, it, I call it the, the rosebush story because it's, you can put that up on the screen if you'd like. The picture of a rosebush, it's the rosebush story. And it's a story, there's lots of stories that I've, I've gathered over the years from my, my family of upbringing, but this one always sticks out to me the most. And it's really about God's provision. But when I was a child, we were uh, relocating from one end of town to the other, and we were going from a rental unit to a rental unit, and our, the house, is a long story, but the house, the person had decided to sell their house, and so we ended up moving to another house. But before we moved to that house as a family, uh, my dad and my mom had gone through a few different rentals, and my dad particularly was, was late one night going through a, a rental unit, a house that was for rent. And he was talking to God while he did it. He's like, God, we've made a list of what we need as a family. And it's not, it's a modest list, but it's a list that involves a few things. He wanted the kids to be able to, that's us, kids be able to walk to school. Another thing was my, they, as a wedding gift, they received this dining room table that's still in my parents' house right this day, but this dining room table, and they wanted a room where the dining, dining suite that they got as a wedding gift could be kept. And there was one other thing, and this was uh, out of compassion, for my mom had built, uh, had just done many gardens in my, our house that we were in, outside of our house. And she was crying as they were packing up and getting ready because she had to leave all of her gardens. And my dad said, and dear God, if there could just be a garden with roses for my, my wife, Debbie... And so he's walking through the house and it's dark and he sees, okay, they tell them the school's down the street and they say, you know, there's three bedrooms and there is, uh, there's plenty of room for your dining room suite. And he's like, okay, okay. And he's thinking, well, maybe, but God, I just need to know it's you. And as he walks out the front door and he backs down off the stairs, he suddenly gets pricked with a thorn bush in his back of his leg. And it was late August, And he looked back and there was one rose left on the rose bush. And in that moment, he knew God had provided. That was the house, and that's the story I grew up with, many stories, but that was one of them, of God's provision. And so, even as we were looking for houses, one, one house particularly, it wasn't the house that we bought, but we came, I was taking pictures and trying to figure out if this was gonna work, and, and I, I looked over around the corner and there was this rose bush, and, and I didn't think this is the house, but I thought, this is a reminder that God will provide what we need in his timing. Today's bread is tomorrow's reminder of his faithfulness. And the third thing I wanna remind us of is that there is provision for the journey that you are on. Trust his provision, trusting his provision is our part, our role. Trusting his provision again is also our role. And trusting him again and again and again. You see, Jesus, he was the fulfillment of the promise, but there were many other opportunities where they could see glimpses of God's hand in his plan. Let's hear what Jesus said in John chapter six, verse 30 to 32. They, they, the the people who were testing Jesus, the people who were asking Jesus, uh, they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Interesting, right? So God gives them this manna, or sorry, gives them this bread in Egypt, or they create this bread that's unleavened. They take also these uh, low, not these not excuse me, this dough, this bread without yeast. It's the dough they take with them which then becomes their provision in the wilderness. They immediately start to cook that bread to be able to provide for them. And then while they're in the wilderness, he provides another example of bread which is this manna from heaven which they use to make bread when there is nothing to eat. And so the people are saying, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, show us a sign. I mean, that, our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness because he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus says, verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. From the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I and the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. My goodness, isn't it good to know that God is in the business of providing for us in order to build trust, in order for us to trust him. And then he has a step out into something greater or bigger or, or braver and he provides for us again. And then we step further way down the road, sometimes past many, many years of not hearing God's voice clearly, and suddenly we step into this season where God reveals to us that actually he alone is our provision. It's not really about bread at all, is it? It's about being ready to receive what God has and moving forward with what he has for us. And I wanna encourage us today that when we trust him with the little things, we learn to trust him with the bigger things. And so if God is giving you one of those bigger things to trust in your life right now, then trust him, remind yourself of his provision and in haste follow with his plans for us. Finally, with this I'll ask the worship team to come. He keeps vigil over our steps This is what's important to remember during the path towards freedom. And this part of the story is that God himself keeps vigil over our steps. Our role is to know and remind ourselves that we are not alone on the path. My favorite part of the scripture from this passage comes from Exodus chapter 12. It says, at the end of the 430 years to the very day, All the Lord's divisions left Egypt. This was their freedom. Because the Lord, let me say that a little bit slower. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. And on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Every step towards freedom this freedom to not just do what we want, but do what God's will is, to do what we ought to do. Every step to freedom is designed by God, it's overseen by God, and it's blessed by God. This is why we can trust him. This is why we can know that we're never alone. And this is why we can fear not. Fear not. You know, it was many years later. I believe it was when Joshua was with the people of God in the promised land. I'll find it and I'll remind you of exactly where it is next week. But there was a time when God gave instructions to the people that they no longer had to stand while they were eating this Passover remembrance. They could rest in the fact that they had been provided for, that God had brought them into freedom. And they were still to make the observation, but they didn't have to sit or stand any longer. Instead, they could receive the freedom that came with resting in our deliverance. Would you stand with me over this place? just as the musicians begin to play. I just wanna take a moment to allow us to let these thoughts sink in. The very first thing that we need to do, just with your eyes closed and just allowing Holy Spirit to speak in your heart, is that we must choose. I picture the family members going and choosing the lamb that they were going to slaughter, whose blood would be poured over the doorpost of their home so that the angel of death, when he passed, would not bring any death, but instead salvation to that household. The symbolism is so great now on the other side, but we still have to choose the lamb. So if there's anyone here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to do that today, that's your ticket to freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from the bondage that comes with living on our own merit and trying to be good enough all the time. It's just, you can't we can't measure up but there's a freedom that comes when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and we say I, I choose you I acknowledge the sacrifice you made and, and I want everything to be covered by the blood of Jesus if that's you today would you just raise your hand while everyone's eyes are closed we don't do this very often There's yes I see your hand if you've Never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today you want to do that? You can raise your hand with the others. Yes. Jesus, we thank you for these individuals who've received Christ today. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would free them from sin, from guilt, from shame, And that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior. And know that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life, which means eternity is theirs in Jesus. No condemnation, but freedom in Christ. Assurance of eternal life. Lord, let them feel that and sense that in their spirit, even as they commit their life to you right now. In Jesus' name. And the other parts of the journey for those who are, have received Christ and you've already chosen the lamb is this idea that a reminder that freedom is yours. But you must make haste. You must move towards it. You must take action. And this action can be something that's so full of joy, so full of hope, because the price has already been paid, the freedom is already yours, and you just need to move towards it, away from sin, away from fear, but instead move towards his love, towards what he has for you, and watch him meet you along that path. Watch him provide for you over and over again. Watch him challenge you to trust him. And as you trust him, he he moves in a powerful way. That is our hope today as well, that we can walk in this freedom if we'd only make haste if we'd only do so with the fear of the Lord, but with the joy of what's happening ahead of us, that you have a good plan for our life. The Bible says, plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Plan to give you hope and a future. This is the God that we serve. Is there anyone here who wants to receive more freedom in your life and less fear? Would you just raise your hand to the Lord right now? Yeah, he sees you. Life has a way of repeating certain fears, but God has a way of repeating his provisions over and over again, no matter what next step he has for you. If there's college students here in this place, you can go with haste to school. You can go knowing that yes, there's a certain amount of caution and fear, healthy fear, but yet God is going to provide for you when you're at school. He's gonna make a way for you. He's gonna watch over you. He will keep vigil over your children, parents, while they're in school this year. I receive that word from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And for those of you who need freedom today, from addictions, self-harm, from patterns and behaviors that the devil keeps saying, this is who you will only be and who you will always be, we say no in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers us over our sins We can walk in freedom i pray freedom will be yours in jesus name today now walk with a joy and an urgency towards what he has for you holy spirit we thank you for today we thank you that your love and your grace is so amazing god as we celebrate this today i pray you would remind us that the joy of the lord is our strength I pray you remind us that we have something to offer others in the sense of hope and freedom that they can experience. And God, even as we go this way this day, would you challenge us to trust you more for what lies ahead as individuals, but also as a body of Christ. We trust you, Jesus. Come on, tell Jesus you trust him. We trust you, Jesus. We know you've got good plans for us and we look forward to them. Amen. Amen, why don't you stay standing? We're gonna sing this song in victory today. And then I've got a special instruction, a special surprise for you. So stick around for a second, but let's sing the song in joyful celebration.